0: Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio, your spot in the corner office. The radio show where executives share their secrets to success. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Shiner Lane, Newmark, Ben Drummond, D2 Integrated Solutions, Matthew Shapiro Obermeyer, and David Mastiangello, M Group, uh as co-hosts and i'm wondering matthew can you do me
1: a favor and give us a rundown of who's
0: going to be on the show today
1: sure could herb it looks like we're going to have a great show we're starting off with marshall einhorn the ceo of maccabi usa after that we have michael kelly principal kcba architects followed by steve ray ceo of myota and we're wrapping up today with matt sigel the principal of station partners let's get
0: to our first guest marshall einhorn ceo of maccabi usa What is Maccabi USA? What are you guys up to, Marshall?
2: Maccabi USA aims to engage the American Jewish community through sports. And one of the main things we do is send a 1300 strong delegation to games in Israel that take place every four years.
0: Where are you from originally? How many brothers and sisters? Where are you in the pecking order?
2: Silver Spring, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. And I'm the youngest of three boys.
0: And uh, what were you up to eight to 14?
2: What kind of stuff were you doing? I was either tagging along to my brother's soccer games or going to my own soccer games and also very involved in our local uh, Jewish community, both at the synagogue and the school that we attended.
0: So what were you you doing at the Jewish community? What kind of stuff do you remember doing there?
2: Well, we were going to services every uh, Saturday morning, but we were also showing up in volunteer ways. One of the things that I remember most is uh, before the high holidays uh, going the night before to put pamphlets in uh, everyone's seats so they would have them the next day.
0: Well, what do you what do you remember putting those leaflets in everybody's seat what, what's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays
2: i think it was leadership by example i saw my parents uh, really rolling up their sleeves for the jewish community and volunteering their time and uh, i i certainly took that with me uh, into my career path
1: hmm, interesting matthew marshall you told us earlier that your your friends when you were 14 wouldn't be surprised at what you're doing now i'm curious how would your friends who when you were 14 describe you at 14.
2: I think I was known uh, as both an athlete and uh, a leader at school, and so I think that combination, uh, you know, led me to, to, to think that no one's too surprised to see where I am.
1: How did that leadership show up when you were 14?
2: You know, in different ways. Some of it might have been formal leadership. In other ways, I, I think back to, you know, the daily prayer service that, uh, that we had at, at our school. And, you know, there were plenty of, of kids who were, uh, you know, just participating from, you know, the front of the back row. But, you know, for some reason, I was drawn to the really leadership of, of those services in, in ways that um, that I really enjoyed and embraced.
1: And why when you were 14, you're 14 and you're being a leader in prayers, like explain that to me. Where does that come from?
2: Back to our uh, participation and leadership at our synagogue, and the example that I saw my my brothers in particular set um, in those settings, and really just enjoying uh, being out front and being very comfortable out front.
1: And and you talked earlier about showing up to make a minion to make the minimum number of people to do to do a prayer group, and how that how important that was in your childhood. Explain to me the connection between showing up to make a minion and running Maccabi USA.
2: I mean, I think a minion is all about um, being there for the community and, and in, 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 in a small, very meaningful way for, for individuals in that room. And just take that uh, forward for, for the entire Jewish community, the broader American Jewish community. Maccabi USA does exactly that. We try to be there for for every member of that Jewish community.
3: Ben? Marshall, in the green room, you told us about a rabbi that you referenced as somebody that taught you about lifting others up in the community. Could you tell us about that?
2: Sure. I thought about Rabbi Greenwald, one of the many teachers I had uh, at my school and just the way that he really tried to get to know and engage every individual who was uh, around his classroom on a really one on one basis. And I've tried to bring that forward into in how I uh, both view uh, my community leadership as well as my professional roles.
3: How do you bring that forward into what you do today in your leadership role?
2: I think it's about active listening and engagement. Um, you know, in the in the professional setting, sitting across the uh, the, the tab- table at a coffee shop, one on one with each of my team members, and really trying to understand um, who they are, what makes them tick, what they're trying to uh, to get out of their uh, you know professional life. hmm Shannon,
4: Marshall, can you tell us about your mom and what she was like when you were growing up?
2: You know, my mom was the, uh, the only, uh, you know, woman in a, in a household of, 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 men and, uh, sports was a big part of, of what we were about. Wasn't necessarily, uh, what she was uh, interested in growing up. I don't think, uh, but she very much saw sports as a way to engage us, whether on the sidelines of all of our games or, you know, following and cheering for the same professional teams that we took an interest in.
4: And what did it mean to you as a kid when you were playing a sport and you looked over in the middle of the game and saw her there?
2: Uh, I loved it, Uh, you know, she was well known around our school for um, bringing pom poms blue and gold pom poms the colors of our school uh, on the sidelines and being very vocal, uh, both with those pom poms and with uh, cheers that she would uh, she would yell out and um, I loved it, Um, it very much shaped uh, who I was uh, as an athlete and, and now as a parent.
4: And what did you learn from your mom that you carry with you today.
2: I think uh, you know showing up enthusiastically. Um, she uh, throughout my childhood had a full-time job, uh, but managed to be there um, again on the sidelines at home for us. Um, and I bring that uh, both you know forward as as the leader and parent that I am, and in trying to um, create an environment at 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 work that uh, allows for that from from the you know parents and non-parents aside to, uh, alike to have full bring their full selves to to what they do, and um, mm-hmm. really trying to create a uh, supportive environment for them. David.
5: So you were telling us a little bit about when your mom passed. Can you elaborate on that a little bit about what that has to do with your elevating others today?
2: Sure. So my mom passed a few years ago, uh, very suddenly. And, um, you know, I think tying it back to what we talked about earlier about that that minion, that you know, minimum of, of 10 people in order to have a, a Jewish prayer service. And for me, uh, saying the memorial prayer for her. Uh, three times a day for those first eleven months after she passed became a real important ritual for me um, as uh, as I dealt with her loss and and I think being there for other people to me you know I bring that concept forward uh, you know in in various ways that they need whether it's showing up for a minion um, or in, in other ways to uh, to really value that.
0: Hmm. It sounds to me like your middle name is community. Am I mistaken about that?
2: Well, oh, I, I, I joke that I technically don't have a middle name and uh, people are surprised by that. But I, I think that would be a, an appropriate one. I think, uh, again, from, from growing up till now, uh, community and the Jewish community have been uh, just key aspects of, of who I am and who our family um, has uh, has been about and what our family has really been about.
1: Can I suggest a different middle name for you? Passion. I feel like you're all about passion and bringing passion into, right? You've described what you do as connecting your passions relating to Judaism and sports. Um, tell me, tell me how you bring passion to work. Like they don't go together in my mind.
2: <laughs> well, I've been lucky enough in the second half of my career to, to really be able to follow uh, that passion. It's, it's a, it's a thing that I think I w- was missing in the first half of my career. And I switched careers uh, from the for-profit world into the nonprofit space and particularly into Jewish communal service and bringing that passion and being able to fuse my identity outside of work with my identity at work has really been uh, the key aspect of the second half of, of my professional career.
1: How do you bring that passion to the people who participate in Maccabi USA?
2: Well, I mean, it's a wonderful mission driven organization, and we're really trying to engage people through a passion that they already have through, uh, elite sports and bring, uh, the Jewish piece of it into it. For some, they're already well connected to the Jewish community, but for many, um, it's something they know uh, that they have in their lives, but they haven't really activated. So to be able to combine two passions into, a single organization is really an amazing thing.
3: Marshall, how does that passion enable you to be a good leader?
2: You know, I think people hopefully uh, see that excitement and passion, uh, whether I'm at work or on the sidelines of one of our tryouts this summer, um, and, and hopefully they feed off of that. And I think uh, sports is just a great way, you know, sports in general, aside from me, is just an area where people bring their passions. And I think having an organization focused on sports and naturally brings that out in people.
3: So for you, leadership is about the, the people being led, not necessarily the leader.
2: Yeah, very much so. I think, uh, you know, dating back to uh, when I was a kid till now, you know, I have very much been about elevating others. That's why I love team sports, uh, particularly soccer, you know, playing midfield and distributing, uh, being up at the front, but also knowing that you had responsibilities in the back end and, and running all over the place and, and being part of a, a team was really um, important to, to how I developed as an athlete and as a leader
1: do you try and teach passion as a parent
2: yeah i think uh you know each of our kids we have three kids and each is is, is a little different you know some naturally bring their own passion and some uh, you have to draw it out a little bit it's amazing to see three people who can be so different coming from the same place um but very much so um and passion can be about their sports about the teams that we root for um or about things outside of sports mm.
0: uh, marshall the similarity real quick between being a dad and being the CEO of Maccabi USA?
2: I I, I see elements of it, although, uh, you know, some differences as well. Obviously I have uh, a much better uh, co-parent in my wife in terms of that. Um, But, you know, at at work also, we very much have a partnership, whether that's with my uh, professional colleagues or with my uh, lay leadership on our board. And the website address for Maccabi USA? USA.com.
0: We've been speaking with Marshall Einhorn, CEO of Maccabi USA, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we just spoke with Marshall Einhorn, CEO of Maccabi USA. Stick around. Don't go away. We'll be back in a moment right after this quick break. You now can recognize your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show, Executive Leaders Radio.com. Yes, recognize, you can recognize your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show, Executive Leaders radio.com. Simply visit Executive Leaders Radio.com, securely enter their info, and we'll reach out to spotlight your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show, Executive Leaders Radio.com. Don't wait. This radio and online social media and search engine exposure is quite valuable to your advisors. Yes, this radio and online social media exposure is free and quite valuable to your business advisors who deserve to be recognized. Visit Executive Leaders now to nominate your deserving business advisors. back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Michael Kelly, who's a principal at KCBA Architects. Michael, what is KCBA Architects? What are you guys doing?
6: We are an architecture firm that specializes in K-12 schools as well as higher education facilities.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and where you're from originally, how many brothers and sisters, and where are you in the pecking order?
6: Grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I'm the oldest of two. I have a younger sister.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't you mention that when you were seven years old, you had an interesting experience that may have given us an indicator of who you were when you grew up?
6: Yeah, I was uh, very involved in our church growing up and uh, it was a big part of our family and and, uh, it was a growing community and they decided to build a large addition onto the church. Um, They said after service, they said, Hey, the architects are going to be here to to show you the building. Uh, Come if you want. And I showed up, sat front row, asked questions for about 30 minutes. Um, the architects at the end were going, who is this kid that just wouldn't stop asking us questions about the design? And it was just fascinating to me and I and, uh, really enjoyed it.
0: Uh huh. So we had an indicator of who you were working in <laughs> schools back when you were seven years old. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you were up to eight to 14, aside from that experience at seven.
6: I grew up in a, a very musical home. Uh, both of my parents were involved in music. My father was an instrumental music teacher. Um, so it was lots of music and uh, lots of sports
0: mm-hmm uh ben
3: Mike, could you tell us more about the contrasting dynamic of of sports and music in, in your childhood
6: <laughs> yeah again as my father was a, a teacher of music um he was very focused on that there was always piano lessons and trumpet lessons and uh you know i, I saw that as a way to you know, get through that so i can get outside and go play baseball with my friends
3: so wh- what was um I guess, what was your interest in in music? If you were really looking to get outside to play play baseball, what were you doing with music?
6: Yeah, the, the challenge there was I was really good at music and, and not as good in sports. <laughs> so while you may have wanted to go outside, uh, I, I certainly understood uh, the, the value. And, and I did learn to enjoy uh, the music part of, uh, of, of my childhood and growing up. What did you enjoy about it? I liked that it was a position uh, of leadership that you can kind of grow into. I liked how, you know, there may be a song that had a solo even in a different instrument and the director say, hey, Mike, why don't you go, you know, put down the trumpet, go play French horn in in this song because it's got an interesting part that we need to to elevate. So I I liked being asked to fill in uh, in those positions when needed.
3: And what does that fluidness of creativity have to do with running an architectural firm?
6: Yeah, well, architects, uh, there's a lot involved in, in putting a building together. So between and certainly running a business. Um, so that type of diversity, I think, really helped and understanding there's, there's going to be times that you have to jump into a situation and, and um, help fix that design or help uh, help deal with things that are going on in the office. So that that diversity was great. Sure.
4: Michael, who is someone outside of your immediate family that you looked up to as a kid?
6: Um, well, my grandfather, I mean, that's part of your family. Um, but, uh, my grandfather growing up, uh, was a big part. He was, a. um, we grew up in the city. He grew up, uh, mainly in the farm and, and kind of had to show the city kid every time we visited, uh, what, what farm life was like and, and kind of put, put the teenage kid in his place.
4: What did that mean to you that he took the time to do that?
6: It, it meant a lot. And, and even, even back then I understood the, the difference of, of understanding where he came from. And, you know, he'd always ask, you know, how old are you now? 16. When I was 16, I was in New Guinea. You know, kind of putting you in your place and understanding, hey, you know, that's great. You have all these these uh, uh, attributes now and all these things that you can enjoy, but um, there's a lot of hard work and, and generations behind you that helped get you there.
4: And when you're faced with a problem at work nowadays, what do you hear your grandfather telling you?
6: Uh, don't be afraid to jump in. Uh, don't be afraid to lead that group, to to listen to people as well. Um, you know, architects are all very creative. Um, so to, to listen to a lot of other people's thoughts, uh, and then take those ideas and 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 try to implement them in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Matthew, Mike, could you tell us a little bit about Mom and Dad? Yeah, both my parents, uh, as I said, were were music uh, oriented. My mom's side of the family was the the adventurous one, um, camping, uh, fishing, swimming, uh, uh, boating. We we would do all kinds of different adventures, and it was always really fun. I think I carry that over to to my family now. always dragging my kids to to different places all over the place. So are you more like your mom or your dad? I think I'm more like my mom in that sense. Um, And and how does that
1: carry through to the way you run KCBA Architects?
6: I think uh, um, understanding um, uh, a lot of different opinions of people. Um, Certainly, you know, just coming from the last year and a half that we had, you know, trying to to comfort a lot of different opinions and a lot of different concerns. um, uh, Always listening, I I think, was a big attribute uh, that my mom had as well that was important. Mm-hmm. um david what do you think
5: Mike, you mentioned in the green room you were involved in the church not only in the weekend but during the week too. you were the kid that everybody wanted to babysit and then you grew up to be a youth group leader can you tell me a little bit more about that
6: yeah both my uh my parents were involved in the church uh, quite a lot uh running the the leadership uh, youth group there so i just grew up all around it um uh, was a child of it then became a part of it then became someone that uh, that worked in bible school and things like that so um, you know kind of never growing up always feeling like a kid and and uh, you know now i get to be in a position where i i can design schools for children is uh, it's pretty fun wow so really it really made you
5: feel part of a larger family uh, what did that experience have to do with running kcba now
6: yeah the the greatest part about our, our Church was, uh, you know, we had a lot of good times and you know, at, at any larger groups, there's gonna be tragedy along the way too. And, and seeing how that community came together uh, in, in good times and in, in tragedies, you, you see that um, uh, here. And, and we, we try to um, comfort our, our employees as best we can um, in good times and bad, and just be understanding uh, when, when they may have family struggles or, or issues like that. So we're always trying to help and just be part of a bigger family. Mm -hmm. Mike, you talked earlier when you were seven
1: years old, you were sitting in the front row talking to the architect as they built the addition, the school addition to your church. I'm curious, do you remember when the building actually got built and you got to use it?
6: Yeah, I used to sneak in all the time um, because we would have uh, uh, choir practice on Thursday and I'd I'd be 20 minutes late because I'm walking through the construction site where I wasn't supposed to be. Um, I loved it. It was great. It was it was a firsthand experience, of, you know, not only the design, but the construction of it. It was it was fun to explore. And so I'm
1: curious now, do you still like walking through the site and do you go oh, yeah. to the go and visit the schools after the kids
6: are using them? It's it's an incredible feeling. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of hard work and a lot of struggle, especially in, in public schools. Uh, not everybody is, is excited about building schools sometimes, uh, but when it's completed and you can walk through and see the look on the kids faces, man, it's 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 all worth it. Describe um, the
1: look on those kids' faces.
6: I, I remember working on a, a project recently that was pretty tough, and and you know after every meeting, you'd see kids walking around in schools. You're like, I'm doing this for you, and you're the reason I'm doing this. And and uh, when the building was completed, and they got to tour of the building, just uh, the look of wow, this is this is our school now. You know, where's all the where's all the brick that's falling down? Well, no, it's not falling down anymore. It's it's a much safer place for it. Um, that's that's just a great feeling kind of propels you throughout your day.
0: What's the, um, what's a well-designed school all about? What, what, what's the effect, what's that about?
6: Well, I think in this day and age, safety obviously is the first step and, and the safety of, of school design has changed uh, throughout the years, but also a place that inspires students. You know, when they walk in they look up and go, wow, this is going to be a fun day. Or man, I've got a little bit more room to uh, explore in art and music. Um, It's funny how we've done several projects recently that somehow always include a a music room edition. And a lot of my colleagues are like, is is your dad telling you you need to be putting music editions on all these schools? Um, But I just see it as, you know, in in a bigger space, in a better space, you know, you can do more. Um, So that kind of drives me to, to, you know, design those spaces. Remember what it's like to to feel as a kid to be in those rooms and go, you know, if you got a little bit more space, a little bit more natural light into these spaces. Man, you know your 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 job there could be limitless.
0: Hmm. You mentioned uh, when we were talking in the green room that you love working with schools. What else, what else am I missing
6: there? I think it's about uh, places where people are going to uh, have their memories from. Uh, and, and I started really in, in, in a love of church design because I had so many memories growing up in my church. Um, so what are those spaces that we can design as architects that that people are going to remember? Um, you know, their core memories from that, you know, 30 years later, you're going to be interviewed by a bunch of people saying, what did you remember as a child? Well, they're going to remember those spaces. Uh, and I think that's what I really like about, uh, about the designs that we do.
0: What, what is the uh, what is the website address for KCBA Architects?
6: It's kcba-architects.com. Let me have that one more time kcba-architects.com.
0: We've been speaking with Michael Kelly, Principal of KCBA Architects here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't go away. We'll be back in a moment right after this quick break. back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Steve Ray, CEO of Myota. Uh, Steve, what is Myota? What are you guys doing?
7: Myota is a platform for information protection and data security that renders data useless to attackers, ransomware, mm-hmm. data breaches, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. How large or how small is this company? Uh, we're
7: in the startup phase. So 10 employees nice. and just starting in our first commercial phase
0: mm-hmm where you're from originally how many brothers and sisters where are you in the packing order? I was raised in central California and I have an older sister all righty and what was going on with you 8 to 14 ish
7: quite a bit I was living the uh, California version of Sandlot if you're familiar with that movie so a lot of hopping on bicycles living the day and coming back at night um, but I was also hanging out a lot at my grandparents house mm-hmm. why were you hanging
0: out at your grandparents house
7: um, we had a bit of dysfunction at home, um, some post-addiction issues related to my mother in particular, and uh, it was a safe place
0: for us to uh, be kids. Mm-hmm. So you were hanging out, your mom had some addiction issues, you were hanging out with your grandparents, and you mentioned your grandmother was um, legally blind, but you learned a great deal from her. What was that all about?
7: Yeah, um, Nana, as we called her, was a pretty amazing individual. Um, Legally Blind uh, happened suddenly in her early 30s, and yet what I learned from her was that despite the fact that she was small in stature and obviously had a bit of a disadvantage, that she didn't let much stop her. She wasn't big into limitations.
0: Well, what's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays? Well, if anybody
7: uh, who's run a startup would probably tell you, um, You know you if you focus on the limitations as you're trying to bring a startup into markets that are very mature and well established uh you're going to create your own headwinds uh Mm -hmm. the market will
0: create plenty of them you need to fight through them so how many businesses have you been involved with starting um i have never quite frankly been the person who i would tell you would
7: start a business with maybe a minor exception but more someone who comes in at a stage where it's time to truly create a business to mature it. In and how many times have you
0: done days? this uh, six in total? Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. Uh, Matthew, please give me a hand.
1: So so I'm curious if we go back eight to 14, when you were dealing with those things that required some resilience and 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 not having what you described as the typical California upbringing, who was teaching you, who was showing you how to take over a business and take it to the next level?
7: Well, I, I think there was a, a couple of different places where I learned that, um, you know, there were people who believed in me, and therefore I could believe in myself perhaps more than I wanted to, uh, to truly believe inside my head. My sister being the first, and then I just had the good fortune of several times through coaches and others really having those who would lift me up to help me see the potential that I had.
1: And you told me before, about I think his name was Christian Visser. Tell me what he taught you.
7: Yeah, Coach Visser was my uh, one of my first soccer coaches, and he actually was a World Cup player. And uh, if you know soccer well, you know that they're looking for wingspan and goalies. I was the smallest player on the field. Uh, Coach Visser told me it didn't really matter if you were willing to fight to keep the ball out of the goal.
1: I want you to be my goalie. And and what did that experience with Coach Visser teach you that you bring? Well, not to Banyota, but to all of the companies that you've that you've run? Uh, don't focus on your limitations, focus on the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Shannon.
4: Earlier, there, you mentioned that at a young age when you're growing up in California, you were taught hard work. Who taught you that?
7: I, I think it was ingrained in both sides of my family, uh, Dust Bowl farmers on one side and uh, folks who would live through the depression on the other. Um, they had, you know, a really positive outlook about hard work, created a good uh, character. And so You know, I I learned at a very early age that you woke up in the morning and put in a hard day's work.
4: And what kind of work were you doing?
7: Uh, I think my first serious job, is kind of indicative of that. Um, My father was in the um, floor covering business and I worked in their warehouse uh, unloading freight cars in 110 degree heat uh, throughout the summer as my summer job.
4: So those summer jobs that you had uh, back when you were in California growing up, what did you learn from those experiences that you still carry with you today?
7: Again, I think there's there is this idea of you know determination and hard work pays off. Uh, it gives you a sense of resilience that, uh, in my case, I've been able to leverage later in life.
5: Mm-hmm. David, Eve, in the green room, you mentioned that sometimes as you were growing up, the parental roles were reversed. How's that connect to your maturing and growing security today? Uh,
7: I think that's a great question, David. And um, realistically, I think. Uh, I tend to look at the role of leadership as being a little bit more give and take because of my experience of going back and forth between being the parent and the child. I'm open to learning from everyone that I surround myself with, despite the fact that they may refer to me as the boss and in you know, return, what I expect to provide them as mentorship of my experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Was there something, uh... You mentioned that when you were in your 30s, you had an experience where you really found out what you could do or who you were.
7: Yeah, Herb, I, I think that up until that point, I had been an individual contributor and had kind of, you know, received my rewards and pats on the head for being a really solid individual contributor. I was in a large pharmaceutical organization, and suddenly the leadership turned to me and said, "Okay, we're doing a merger and acquisition, and it's going to be your division." And it, at first, it was like, "You must be kidding." but then ultimately they showed me the ropes. And again, mentorship became a very important part of that transition of my focus from being an individual contributor to someone who was in the
0: leadership role. Mm -hmm. So you didn't know what you could do until somebody helped you appreciate what you could do, both with your coach, with the soccer, as well as here you are 31 years of age and they're handing you a division to run. Right, and I think again, back to what Shannon had asked earlier, the hard work that needed to be done to
7: build the tools and the skills required to thrive at that are things that have been beneficial to me as I look mm-hmm. decades later.
3: Ben? Stephen, how young were you when you helped take things to the next level or reach their logical conclusion? I think
7: it was in the early thirties. Um, you know, there were there were a number of things that uh, at the time were in the pharma industry under a significant amount of change. And so I was asked to take over a unit, an, an, an innovation unit um, that was in many ways kind of unprecedented and uh, was given the full reins for it and was able to turn it into a really viable business component for that organization.
3: So you have an experience and a track record, not necessarily of starting, but of, of taking over and kind of helping things evolve?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Got it. Steve, who taught you to stay open to and identify serendipity in your life? It's um, interesting. I think my grandfather um, on my dad's side was
7: amazingly good at that and that he would uh, always talk about this idea of, you know, grab a broom. In other words, if there was a mess on the floor, don't look around for somebody else to do it. Um, But at the same time, he had this openness to there's a reason why you're standing there next to the broom and so that there was a time and a place for you to do what you needed to do and take advantage of
1: it. That's a great, uh, it strikes me that serendipity, oh, you're talking about it opening up so much and yet what it's opening up is just sweeping the floor in the example, right? Yeah, but you know, embrace the moment. If something needs to
7: be done, do it. There's a reason.
1: Hmm.
3: Stephen, could you tell us about the word resilience? Your, your life story embodies resilience and also your company's website has resilience on the homepage, what does mm-hmm. that mean to you?
7: As it relates to the company, I think it's uh, something we can all probably relate to, right? We used to think of cybersecurity as something that happened to other people uh, in terms of attacks, right? It happens every 10 seconds to a US business right now. So the focus has gone from trying to avoid attacks to trying to withstand an attack and that's resilience. On an individual level, I think over the last 20 months, we've all had to up our game in terms of resilience on a variety of different levels. And it's a characteristic that this generation, I think, is going to have in spades as we've had to try to find, you know, how do we persevere through challenges that were unprecedented?
1: Steve, you've, you've identified the importance of mentors in your life, and I'm confident that you mentor people. Tell me, as a mentor, what do you get out of it?
7: What I get out of it is actually somewhat um, like what i'll give you a perfect example matthew if you don't mind uh for 20 years i coached baseball at a variety of different levels the best thing i hear is not gee i remember when johnny hit a home run in that game uh, you know on the little league field it's when i walk into the local wawa and johnny is six foot three and standing there and turns around and goes hey coach ray do you remember and then tells me what they're doing right now in their life that's that's what mentorship's supposed to be about is helping somebody believe through their experiences, that they have a pathway to do what's within them.
0: Steven, what's the website address for Myota? Myota Myota.io. How do you spell that all? Myota.io. We've been speaking with Steve Ray, CIO of Myota, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, it's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders, executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Please stick around, we'll be back in a moment, right after this quick break recognize your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show executive leaders radio yes recognize you can recognize your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show executive leaders radio.com simply visit executive leaders radio.com securely enter their info and we'll reach out to spotlight your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show executive leaders Radio.com. Don't wait. This radio and online social media and search engine exposure is quite valuable. Yes, this radio and online social media and search engine exposure is quite valuable to your business advisors who deserve to be recognized. Visit executiveleadersradio.com now to nominate your deserving business advisors for free exposure. you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, this is your host, Rob Cohen, and we'd like to introduce Matt Sigel, who is a principal at Station Partners. What is Station Partners? What are you guys doing?
8: Uh, we're a boutique real estate development company that specializes in creating unique spaces.
0: Mm-hmm. And where you from originally, how many brothers and sisters, where are you in the pecking order?
8: I grew up in Ocean City, New Jersey, and I have an older brother. He's about four years older. All
0: right. Eight to 14. What kind of stuff were you doing and what kind of environment were you doing? It in? Uh, played a lot of sports
8: Uh, growing up on an island. uh, We had the benefit of basically having a free reign. Uh, We could ride our bikes, you know, almost anywhere on the island. Just don't go over a bridge.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll dig into that in a little bit.
1: Uh, Matthew, give me a hand with him, please. Yeah. What was your favorite sport growing up, Matt? Definitely baseball and, and tell me what positions did you play on the team? What was your role? Uh, played or uh, hit fourth and played first base. Hitting fourths, a lot of responsibility. How, 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 did that feel to you at the time?
8: Uh, it felt great. Uh, you know, you oftentimes had the opportunity with mental base and your job was to, you know, make contact, drive the ball, uh, you know, get those runners on
1: you, you, you described it in the green room as an opportunity to deliver. And and I was struck because baseball is a game of failure, even for really good little kids. It's still a game of failure. But you described it as an opportunity to deliver. So where does that come from, that sense of seeing the opportunity to deliver, not the opportunity to fail?
8: Uh, I, I guess a lot of it is just having a positive outlook on it. Uh, and my grandfather uh, would often say that, you know, life provides only so many opportunities and it's it's up to you to take advantage of them.
1: So, so how does that, how did, how did your father, how did your grandfather live that?
8: Um, well, growing up, uh, he retired early. So, uh, I got to spend a lot of time with him and he always was busy. He, uh, kept, kept a lot of odd jobs working for the local church or some local companies. And I got to accompany him, uh, on a lot of those, uh, jobs. And, uh, and he was never does,
1: somebody just sit around. And And how does that kind of credo inform running station partners? Uh, always staying busy, always looking for things that need to be done.
8: Uh, always looking for way to ways to improve. Um,
4: -hmm. Who are you more like your mom or your dad?
8: Definitely my mom.
4: Tell us more about that.
8: Uh, she was a nurse, uh, and she worked a lot of nights. So, you know, even though she worked full time, you know, we always got a sense that she was around, you know, we would, uh, you know, she would, uh, leave for seven, get home at seven o'clock. Uh, so she might be sleeping during the day, but she was always there for us.
4: I feel like that, you know, must say something about um, the way her presence amongst you guys and the way she handled herself in the family. That she was always around, even though she was always working. Or,
8: yeah, she, she was definitely, uh, you know, kind of the rock of the family. Um, you know, she was always there if we had a, a an issue or a problem. Um, It it was very, felt very fortunate having, having my mom.
4: And what did you learn from your mom that you carry with you into work nowadays?
8: Uh, Work ethic, uh, definitely uh, caring for family and close friends as well.
3: Mm -hmm. What was it like growing up in Ocean City, a vacation,
8: vacation town? Yeah, it, it was, it was a place where it was very, you know, just had, uh, dichotomy between the, the summer and the winter. In the in the winter time, it was a very small community, very small town. You knew everybody. Uh, you know, it was maybe sixteen thousand people. And then in the summertime, uh, it would go to two hundred thousand people. So it was a very large uh, community in the summer.
3: How young were you when you gained perspective on real estate market?
8: Pretty young. We uh, we moved within the island, and uh, when we sold our, our first house, uh, we sold it for 225000 and two years later, traded again for 450000
3: and What did that experience teach you that you bring to work today?
8: Um, you know, the cycles of real estate, you know, the ups and the downs. You know, at this point in my career, I've, I've lived through four of them, and trying to take uh, knowledge and, and bits and pieces from each of those, uh, and try to stay grounded in what the fundamentals of real estate are. Mm-hmm. David,
5: uh, at what age did you begin envisioning the uses of space, and with who? <laughs> uh,
8: I spent a lot of time with my mom. She um, she enjoyed uh, walking through spaces, whether it was other houses or you know buildings or malls, of talking about you know what was there, uh, what was done well, what should it be. Um, and I carried that through, uh, uh, to today of, of constantly looking at, um, space and trying to figure out what it should be, not what it is.
5: Great. One more quick question, Matt, your current, your, your everyday family today, your wife and your three kids, how do they play a part into your everyday with, um, station partners?
8: Uh, they definitely keep me grounded. Um, my, my wife is never shy about uh, telling me when I'm getting a little off base on something. Uh, we have uh, two older children, a 17 and a almost 15 year old. And then recently uh, we our youngest son is three. Uh, so we've kind of had to a, a start over again in some ways. And uh, it's just been an amazing experience.
1: That's really what you do, too, with Station Partners. You find spaces and start over with the space, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great uh, analogy.
8: Um, We were very lucky early on in uh, our company that we bought a a large project in Ambler, and spent three years redeveloping it. Uh, It's a ten-building complex and bringing new life, new energy. Uh, What was when we bought it a pretty dead property. We now have over five hundred employees coming to work here
1: and when you re-envision spaces are you re, are you creating now what you envision or are you working with your working with clients and customers to create a space
8: uh it, it's definitely a team approach we we've intentionally keep our company very small and nimble so we don't have a lot of overhead uh, so we assemble you know the
1: architect the civil engineer the the mep engineers so, and so where did you learn to be able to listen to the team to come up with the idea for the space, right? Where does that come from? Uh,
8: I, I had uh, very good mentors early on in my real estate career, um, and I was just like a sponge early on and just wanted to learn every aspect of real estate, whether it's accounting or development or construction or property management, um, and just take as much as I could and now find ways to, uh, to give back doing that to others as well.
0: You mentioned, uh, when we were speaking in the green room that, uh, you know, don't forget to mention your wife and three kids. And, um, then you mentioned, you know, you're constantly looking to be a better person. What do you mean by that?
8: Um, you know, I spent a fair amount of time, you know, thinking about, you know, who I am, what I'm doing, uh, is it what I want to be, um, you know, and how, how to improve. Uh, and I think a lot of that came from, my, my mom, my grandfather,
0: um, what, what came just, from you know, your mom and grandfather? What are you talking about?
8: Um, you know, just, just that, just that desire to, to be, uh, honest with yourself about, you know, who you are, and what you're doing. Um, How do you know
0: if you're being honest with yourself?
8: Well, sometimes you think you are, and, uh, you know, it, it takes a comment from your wife or, or one of your kids to you
0: allow yourself uh, to be regulated by others.
8: No, but I, I listen to what other people say ab- about what I'm doing. And, you know, sometimes I disagree and sometimes I say, you know what, I am doing good, but it, it's still, it's still good to have good to have that internal discussion with yourself.
0: So both, both in terms of personally, as well as in business, you like collecting other people's opinions.
8: It's very important, but at the end of the day, you know, you're making the decision about what to do. Uh, you, you can't, uh, you, you can't, pass that responsibility on to others. If, if it's, you know, if, if you're the if you're in charge of that project, uh, it's your call. You have to accept responsibility for it. But it is important to have other people's opinions as well.
0: Are you doing this business for you or for your family?
8: I, I guess a little bit of both because I'm, I'm doing what I absolutely love to do. I have never you know, professionally been in a better place, which I think that just puts me in a much better place at home. Uh, you know, in the past that wasn't always true. I wasn't always happy at some of my past jobs. And it, I'm one of those people who bring, who can't just leave it at work. I bring it home. So, you know, the happier I am at work, the happier I have at home.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's your wife bring to the party?
8: Um, we actually met at work at, at, at one of my first, uh, jobs. Uh, so she is in the, has a real estate background. So, um, you know, she has some pretty strong opinions. That as well. But, um, you know, it, it's been an amazing uh, 18 years. Hope I got that right. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't have changed it for anything. What's the website address of Station Partners? Uh, Station Partners.com.
0: Station Partners.com. We've been speaking with Matt Sigel, principal of Station Partners here
1: on Executive Leaders Radio. Matthew, can you give us a rundown of who else we've had on the air today, please? Sure, ken it's been a great show herb we started off with marshall einhorn who's the ceo of maccabi usa then we had michael kelly the principal of kcba architects we had steve ray ceo of myota and just now we finished up with matt sigel the principal of station partners i would like to thank my co-hosts including shannon lane from
0: newmark ben drummond d2 integrated solutions what an instinct matthew shapiro Obermeyer. And David Massiangelo, M Group, giving me a hand, structuring the questions, hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, it's executiveleadersradio.com. Thank you for joining us today. and Have a nice day. Bye-bye.